they only want success for everything and everybody around them. And they work really hard. They do impossible things. They, they don't stop. They, they work as a strong team. They'll do anything to defend her and they make everything beautiful. Welcome to Revelations, the place where we speak truth to power. I'm Cole Johnson, and I'm so glad you're able to join us. How should I describe my next guest? After surviving dreams of being deferred and crushed, she now attempts to pour into those who lack that soul-crushing scenario. She helps employers, businesses, brands, and herself reach new heights with all of a little pollination yeah ladies and gentlemen business coach business consultant and author debbie krasuski but she goes by cruise and this is her revelation So how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am doing well myself. I'm so glad you're able to join me. And uh, and I saw everything that you offered, everything that you've done thus far and what you're doing now. And it just it just leapt at the page, left off the page at me and it intrigued me. So I had to get you on board because I had to get to know the person behind this wonderful brilliance that you have put forth. And we shall start doing that by opening the way. Now, when you open the way, conversation starts when vulnerability enters the room. So you are a product of Westchester County, New York. Uh, how was life like that as a little girl? Um, I mean, I have nothing really to complain about. I mean, it's a beautiful place. We live, uh, I live a few blocks away from the water. So there's amazing views uh, there's one park that looks directly at New York City and Long Island, so mm-hmm. it's beautiful to watch sunsets and to watch the city skyline along with the bridges and to see Long Island, and you could take your boat straight across and be there in like 45 minutes, which is much better than sitting in traffic. So. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a beautiful place, so I'm very grateful to be here. I think uh, I watched the evolution of 
well, now more than anything, but growing up, having the city be the most exciting place in the world, you know, New York City couldn't be more of a melting pot. And, you know, once the 90s, later 90s came around, people really realizing going to the city could be a little exhausting. So, you know, trying to bring a whole a lot of what is in the city back to Westchester or to Westchester, not all of it existed, and really created a whole avenue of really gourmet restaurants, Michelin rated restaurants, where, you know, the city, you didn't always have to go into the city. Some places have restaurants in both areas. Um, but I, I, it, it was interesting to watch that whole whole shift happen where now, it, you know, when someone's like, hey, let's go into the city, you're like, oh, why? We have it all right here. We have it all right here. No need to go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is a different it is a different world. Um, it's evolved a lot. In, yeah, especially since COVID, where there was a big move from Manhattan into Westchester County, the real estate market is really went crazy. Uh, it's dying down. There's definitely going to be a flip very soon if it hasn't already started. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it is a wonderful place to live and uh, I'm very grateful to be here. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you, you currently still live in that same area. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, I'm curious. So how would you describe uh, Mamaronek? Then, like when you were young, and now, which, well, it may resemble, like you said, some parts of New York City, but mostly it doesn't. Uh, how has it changed? How has it evolved? Well, interesting. Um, when I, when I, when I, when I, <laughs> when I was really young, actually, my, my parents are both city kids. My mom's from the Bronx and my dad's from Queens. So my dad drove, my mom never learned how to drive. So we walked everywhere and the main strip, which was really all there really was back when I was little was Mamaroneck Avenue. There was a supermarket. There was like, you know, a few pizza places, uh, lots of stores. So you basically did everything there. And at night there was a, it, there is a, a huge um, Italian neighborhood on that side of town. So at night it was a lot of, bakeries, um, cafes, I guess you would call it. And they were all spilled out into the streets. So they had tables and chairs in the streets and everybody was drinking coffee. I'm sure there was some wine in there as well and smoking cigars. And it was so like wild to walk down the street and see, you know, all these people sitting on the street there, you know, now they're like, it's everywhere. You can't escape it. But Nobody spoke English. It was everybody spoke Italian. So I never, you know, I didn't really know a lot of people that didn't speak English. So that was, you know, new to me. And the neighborhood had changed a lot through the years. There's still a very strong old school Italian presence for sure. And, um, and now it's, it's just super eclectic. There's over 21 restaurants on that strip right now. And you can, you could find anything. I mean, you could, there's there's French, there's uh, Indian, there's um, Turkish, there's ramen, there's sushi, um, all sorts of American. There's Mexican, uh, Bulgarian. I, I just saw a Bulgarian place there. Um, it's very 
it's any anything you're in the mood for, you could go there and find it. And, it, and it's a lot of fun because it's like, I'm hungry. What do you want? I don't know. Let's just go cruise the avenue and <laughs> see what looks good. So it is a lot of fun for sure. Nice. Okay. Uh, I think one of the most interesting aspects about you is I, I, I was like, you're the first person I have found uh, in my own personal walk that I have come across where they can claim, yeah, well, I, I live near New York, but I don't live in it. And it's not Long Island. It's not New Jersey. It's not Connecticut. And I'm thinking, huh, interesting. And it's like, no, we're just a little bit north of the city from what I understand how people who live in New York refer to the area. So interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's funny when you, well, you know, we would argue everybody all through growing up. And I, when I worked in the city, I worked all the way downtown Manhattan and everybody was mostly from Brooklyn or Staten Island. And they'd be right. like, oh, my God, you live upstate. And I'm like, right. no, I don't live upstate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's upstate, though. you got a few more hours before you hit upstate. But it's just right. funny how people that are, don't live here automatically think it's upstate. I'm like, uh, you be careful what upstate looks like because – it's almost three. It's just about two four hours, 45 minutes to Albany, which that to me, like from there on is upstate. That would be upstate, right. <laughs> but it's really yeah. West. There's more, it's more, most of New York is West. So we don't okay. say that though. We say upstate. Yeah. Which is weird. I've, I've, I've always <laughs> found that dynamic, that part, I've always found that dynamic very interesting. It's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> so what were your interests when you were growing up? I always wanted to be a dancer. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I danced the second I could walk. I just loved music and I love to be moving and be active. Um, I also fell in love in, in fashion when I, when I was really young. And I think it was exciting when I was young, like all of a sudden everything turned into like neon colors and just going rogue and just being crazy and, it, I feel like between the 70s and 80s, it just was such a crazy, fun, wild change in fashion. Yeah. And people were not uh, were not afraid to mix match stuff. Like my mom yeah. had a heart attack the first time she saw a woman wear heels and jeans. And I'm like, that's amazing. And she's like, how does she go out on the street like that? <laughs> like, it's just so funny how I think the 70s look like a little... Not, I don't, I don't know. I say like it just was so out of uniform from you know the fifties and sixties and it was, you know the yeah. big collars and big bell bottoms and mm -hmm. I'm like that was like what where did that come from? And then you know the eighties everything was just wild colors and that I found like that was wild colors but people were just experimenting so much mm -hmm. with fashion and it was allowed. Not that I I went to school in a uniform or anything, but. I, I love loud colors and I love preppy preppy was such a thing. And mm -hmm. I s still get made fun of every day. Cause I always have like a collar, you know, and just preppy colors. I just can't escape it. But <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was, those were my two passions growing up. Definitely. Oh, wow. And you were in an area that could have serviced both of them. Yeah. Wow. Dancing yeah. and fashion. Yeah. No yeah. question about that. And yeah. yeah. And it's so funny. I, I, the next time I'll probably see my mother wear high heels with jeans would be the first. 
<laughs> I never saw I never saw her where that can I never saw her where that combination either. <laughs> yeah, my mom will not. She's Mm-mm. like, who are these people? And I'm like, right. they're me. Because <laughs> yeah. I wear it all mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. We already have that in common. Okay, cool. This is Revelations. There's a 100% chance of a laugh thunderstorm. Four men with different viewpoints take a movie, show, or documentary and review it uncensored, unfiltered, uncompromised, with no holds barred. Join BS3, Wilkes, King Doc, and HRAP B as they take on Hollywood their own way. BS3 Network proudly presents The Forecast, where HRAP always predicts If I owe you something, I ain't got it. And if you need it, get it from God! Live every Monday at 8.30pm Central. Check your local listings for your viewing and listening pleasure. Discouragement. Sorrow distance. Your arguments cause damage to your family. The hurt leads to divorce. You feel like there is nowhere else to turn. But there is hope for you. That's where we come into play. There is an overcomer that lives inside of you. One ready to take on the world as you leap for joy living in victory. You'll grow to love yourself and others. There's life after divorce, and you can claim it today. Get over divorce, where your new story begins here every Thursday on YouTube and Spreaker. Business coach. Business consultant and author Debbie Cruz joins me on Revelations. She just opened the way, and now, and she's accustomed to it because of the area in where she lives, it's now time to walk across the bridge <laughs> to prosperity. Now, Bridge Prosperity, it links childhood lessons to adult application. I just have this basic question to ask you. So what is the significance of either the number or the year 1984? Wow. I, I'm in awe that you even mentioned that number, that year, that, that year means a lot to me. Obviously, there's the book that, you know, most people (laughs) relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, But that year was big for me. um, And it comes to me often. It was a year my godfather had passed away. Mm -hmm. And um, he's he's one person that really let me understand my talent of my huger, 
seeing a bigger picture, having a level of clairvoyance and having a level of connections with people in the, as the, after they pass on in the afterworld. Um, he still sends me signs all the time. He sends me jokes a lot, which is really funny. Um, but I, I wouldn't know off the top of my head what year he was born, but right. I do know the year that he died, 1984. So I find 1984 pennies everywhere. Wow. Even to this day. So that that's sort of like, hey, that's no coincidence. One day I found a penny 1984. I went in my car. I turned on the car in the radio. I had 80s on 8 on. Mm. And apparently there's a song called 1984. And that came on. And I'm like, all right, you're definitely <laughs> trying to get my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so it means a lot to me because I feel like that's the year that it really made a lot of change for me. And um, in my spirituality and knowing who I am and, and finding the depth of that. And, uh, you know, I always look to that year because when I hear it, I'm like, that's a really strong sign of you know, pay attention to your intuition, mm-hmm. stay true to who you are, you know, know your worth and know your value. So it is sort of a little bit of a check-in. So mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to what, where that came from. Yeah. Unless you did a lot of homework. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> well, that's, that's what I supposed to do as an interviewer is the interview. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I, I did some research. I, I, I even heard a couple of your, your interviews and oh. I heard, I heard that particular nugget was really significant. So I said, okay, well, let me ask about it. Oh, I'm highly impressed. Thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> no, no problem. No problem. And I loved the story when I heard it. So I was like, okay, oh. well, I definitely have to ask this. Yeah. All right. So jumping ahead a little bit, uh, where did you go to undergraduate school, undergraduate college, I should say, and what was your major? Undergraduate, I went to Iona College, but as of like two weeks ago, we are now Iona University. I see, so I'm learning pretty, something new just now. Okay. Very exciting, which is a, which is a really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not supposed to go to Iona. I was supposed to go to a school in Rhode Island to be part of their dance program. And mm-hmm. under uh, my minor was going to be business management. So I wanted to start my own dance company. Um, I went to Iona. I was a, a business major because it was sort of a choice of like business mm. or bachelor's of uh, science, which most people became a teacher. Right. I was like, I'm, I don't think I want to be around children all day. <laughs> 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 uh, I just felt business, you know, made more sense to me because. I was sort of told the dream was to get a really good job and, you know, work up the corporate ladder. So I was like, all right, well, uh, I guess that's what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, it wasn't my dream of where I wanted to go, but at the same time, it's still giving me back a lot more than what I ever thought a college education would give me. You know, I do a mentor program with Iona, um, as well as where I went for graduate school at the University mm-hmm. of Bridgeport. I do a mentor program with them as well. I am mm-hmm. don't live far away from where I went to undergrad, so I'm over there a lot. I know a lot of the students. My sorority is still very strong, so I know a lot of them and keep in touch with them. Get to some basketball games, and hopefully this year mm-hmm. we will make it to the big dance again. 
<laughs> and uh, it's it's fun. Like it's it's a really it's a wonderful community. I have a lot of people friends that work there and you know work on some projects with some of the departments over there. So it it is a wonderful place, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. Nice. Okay. So I'm so glad that you still have a sounds like a strong connection with Iona. That really is good. Okay. Uh, So how did you handle life immediately after undergrad? Um, You know, I was told you're, you know, you're not, you're not going to sit around. You're going to have a job when you, that Monday, wherever you graduate that Mm. Monday, you will start a job. Like, wow. It's a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I was recruited for a company that there was a, a significant amount of alumni there. Um, and I, I did. I graduated, what, on a Saturday and I started on a Monday. And I worked at that company for 10 years. So that was some serious longevity working in downtown Manhattan. And I... <clears throat> Excuse me. I thankfully worked the night shift, which was four to midnight. It was a 24 seven operation. And I, I, you know, did not love all of working nights because it was hard to be in your 20s and be in an office when all your friends are like calling you like, we're at happy hour and having a great time. Like, I'm at work right now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But um, when September 11th happened, I mean, it would have been right there. So I'm like, well, there's definitely a sign of God right there mm-hmm. of um, protect, you know, you didn't understand what I was doing. And now I'm telling you why it is so you would not have to be there. Um, so I'm grateful for that moment. I mean, it's a, it was a horrible day and we all mm-hmm. will remember it no matter where we are. But um, I'm just grateful that I, I wasn't there. So, right. yeah. Now, I am grateful you weren't there, too. So. Thank you. Great. All right. Your first impressions of corporate America, we'll delve into it even further. But your first impressions of it, uh, did you like it? Did you hate it? Not necessarily the, the, the hours you work, but just the atmosphere in which corporate America brings. Did you like it or did you not like it? I don't think where I was was a very typical office. And, you know, it's funny. I have a lot of friends that are teachers or just not in a corporate setting. And they're like, oh, is your job just like the office, the show? And I'm like, no. Um, You know, that that it's just not the same. We were in an environment, once again, we was a 24-7 operation. So, you know, it was like high and heavy and most of the time of the day during the week, it was also as a, at a big height of the market right back then. And we were, it was crazy busy and everybody was running around. It was basically being the same as being on the stock market floor, but we were in an office and we were working with the securities and exchange commission. So, you know, you think of a world back when it was basically all paper and so you're throwing paper all over the place and throwing right. people on planes to get to D.C. to the Securities and Exchange Commission. It wasn't like the typical office of like I show up at nine, I get my coffee, mm-hmm. I sit at the water cooler for an hour. You know, I go and you know make some phone calls and then I go into a conference room. It, it just wasn't like that. I did like the hustle and bustle of it. I did like just the craziness of it because it became a drug of 
it's such a rush to get things done and accomplished in this like really tight time frame and how everybody worked together. And, and then it was just like, all right, the next thing, just move on. Thankfully had a lot of jobs where I didn't sit in the office all day where I was, okay. I was out, I was visiting clients. I was not only all over Manhattan, I was all over the country and you know, that, you know, when you start doing it is, is wonderful because you're someplace else and you meet people all over and you make a lot of connections. But then again, you find the monotony of, of the, the, the lows are really loud and right. it becomes, you know, the bad weather and you're stuck in some city that the airport shut down like four hours before you got there and you got to figure out how to get a hotel, you know, those things get draining really fast. The clients, you know, when you have the same clients for years and years, you know, it's just boring and monotonous of, are we moving this along or not? Um, so the glamour got lost really, really early. And I kept thinking like, well, if I went higher up, it would be much better. Um, and it really wasn't. <laughs> This is Revelations. Alicia. You can't hold somebody to that standard if you haven't voiced what you want Mm. and what you're needing from that. Mika. If you're not communicating expectations, you're waiting for your feelings to be hurt. Nicole. A lot of people don't want to take the time out to be alone and to get themselves together. Ivan. You got to be willing to work through stuff. And from the jump street, y'all done had problems. Maybe you don't need to be working through those. BS3 Network proudly presents Queen 3 and King Podcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central. Are you looking for something to do on your lunch break? Well, there's a show on the BS3 Network that has only four words to say to you. With AJ, powered by JME. Live weekdays at noon central. Business coach, business consultant, and author. And we will get to 
the penmanship. Uh, Debbie Cruz joins me on Revelations. She just walked across the bridge. She's already opened the way, and now it is time to get behind the purpose. Now, this is the reason why we function the way we do. Now, you earlier, in fact, in the last segment, you talked about getting your master's degree. Uh, uh, just curious, you also mentioned how involved you are in your undergraduate uh, alma mater. Uh, how involved are you with your master's alma mater? Yeah, I, I've done mentor programs with them as well. And I actually still stay in touch with them. Um, I've made some really strong connections with some of the students there. Uh, one woman in particular, she had such a fascinating story and situation um, during COVID. Um, if, if it's all right that I share. Oh, go ahead, please. Yeah. So, you know, we did some a bunch of sessions uh, when I was doing mentor programming and it was started during COVID. So everything is obviously on a zoom call mm -hmm. and, you know, it, it, they had topics of, you know, what about the, you know, how do you go? I, I don't even remember all of it. Like maybe it was about how to find a job, you know, keywords, that kind of stuff. And then they were able to pick one of the mentors that they wanted to go into a private room with. So, it, you know, a, a bunch mm -hmm. of students would pick, pick somebody and go and, and talk personally to be able to ask more direct questions and if they pick somebody that they wanted to work on one-on-one, -on -one, you know, we, we, we were able to offer some sessions. So this woman, she uh, was from Morocco and she was there on a visa for international studies. I think she was going for like her third master's in marketing, if I remember correctly. And she was in a place of, you know, she had finished her studies, but her country had closed the doors and it's COVID and, you know, she's sort of in no man's land. But the only way she could stay legally was to get a job within three months. And it had to be like, you know, something in her field. It wasn't like go work at McDonald's right now. Mm -hmm. It had to be something, you know, in her field. And she was, you know, she was scared. And I'm like, we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to get you there. So get her resume together, get her prepared for interviewing, uh, get her in front of people right away. And we were able to do it. And she really took the ball after just, you know, one or two sessions. She's like, all right, I think I got this. She was getting the second interviews. She was so dynamic and wonderful. I mean, she still is dynamic and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating to see just the power of determination and the power of just giving back to these students. And I mean, the situation was just like, wow. I mean, I think during COVID you had some leeway. I don't, I don't want to mess around and, and speak for what countries were doing. Right. But I mean, she was a level of, I'm a little nervous, like I'm a little scared here what, what can happen, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but now she's in a job and she, I think she, she had moved to a new job since then, but you know, she's loving it. And um, you know, she gets, she 
you know, was grown up believing that that going to Manhattan for a job is exciting. And, you know, after me doing it for over 20 years, I'm like, it's really not. (laughs) 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 Find that out for yourself. (laughs) But um, no, I mean, it's wonderful. And we just, you know, just realized, you know, how connected we were and, you know, based on our spirituality and especially being extremely different, not extremely different, just different religions, but having so much in common in our relationship with God and, you know, learning about how cool she really is and, and just how much she's growing and wants to learn and, and wants to just really embrace the whole business world was just wonderful how it was such a passion of her. So I'm grateful to meet her and all the other, uh, uh, students that I was able to mentor while I was, while we did that program. And and I believe they're going to bring it back again this year. So hopefully I'll get to be able to see some people in person this time. Good, good. Yeah. It looks like that you uh, will be able to do a lot <laughs> for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I've got a three-part question for you. Now, in the oh, last okay. segment, you talked about uh, how corporate America was for you and and you ended you ended pretty much where I would loved where I loved for you to end because I think I can have you talk about the second part of it here. How far did you advance in the business world? When did you leave corporate America? And how prepared were you to start your new life away from it? I moved my way up the ladder. I became a, a COO of a, a hospital. It was an interim position. And, you know, I was told to climb the corporate ladder and you'll make more money and more money makes you happy and a bigger title is going to give you more prestige. And it it, it made me miserable. I was so depressed. I, I was in a horrible place and it, the money just didn't matter to me. Mm. And um, I wasn't supposed to be there permanently anyway. So there just came, a, I was able to hire the right people to fill these spots. It just did not fill, it didn't fulfill me. It wasn't fulfilling them. They needed somebody that was more on the political angle and wanted to really be there for the longevity of it. I, if it was somewhere else, I might have answered differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left there in about, uh, I believe it was 2017. Um, I did, you know, listen to what was on my heart. Um, you know, God's been probably telling me this for a hundred years, but I decided that day to listen and he's like, leave and just start writing. I want you to start writing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it this time because I'm miserable and I'm afraid of what I might do to myself if I stay. So I'm just going to leave and whatever it is, it is. Was I prepared No, um, I didn't want to be on my own. I didn't want to have my own business. I had started my own business when I was in graduate school, actually, to gain experience, to get into a big company. And, you know, that dream of the 401k is going to save you and, um, you know, all of that. And uh, I was like, wait, I don't want this. And now I have to do it alone. I don't I don't think I want that. And I wasn't 100% sure where my focus was supposed to be. But then again, I didn't listen to what I was told. I was told to leave my job and to write. And I did. I wrote three books in nine months. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, 
what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> I'm going to need to make money and because my money's going to run out. Um, so I was scrambling to figure out what I was supposed to do. And then I just hit a wall and I'm like, I don't, I, I, I don't know how I got myself tangled into this mess. You know, I had a lot of plans of what I wanted to do in some directions of where, what I wanted to do, but I felt the passion of this is really important. This work is really important to pour myself into this missionary program. And I'm grateful that I did, but because of the abruptness of how the world changed, I sort of got lost again of, but you didn't listen. Um, you were supposed to be writing. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, went into, just jumped into all the other plans that I had and, you know, I got, I got stuck and, and I, you know, recently I've learned that, you know, listening to the plan is what, what saves me, but mm -hmm. it doesn't mean write a, he never, it was never the voice of write a book. It has to be a book. It's just said writing. So, you know, working more now on taking a little break from my blog and making sure that it is more, has more depth in that because I, I feel like you can touch people faster with a blog and they can always go back and read a book, you know, mm -hmm. but if you can get your audience through your blog um, to be able to do more work in speaking engagements like this, where people can understand your word and get yourself out there. So I feel like writing is putting, you know, what I, what I want the world to know on paper, but also I think writing, you have to write to be able to speak it as well. You have to live it too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I feel a little bit more comforted in, in being able to do more speaking and working with people one-on-one -on -one and having it all written out, uh, of, you know, how to help people and then focus now on the blog that can really help people. And my next novel, I, I'm in the middle of writing it, but I want to take a little bit of a break right now because I want to go back and change things to really reflect that feeling of we've all felt this and getting make sure that those emotions are really heartfelt and not rushed through because I was rushing through it just to get it done and I want to really make sure that this book really can touch everybody and be relatable and you just feel like wow if I really listen to what's in my heart it'll really save me it'll really get me to those beautiful destinations side more with Debbie Cruz. This is Revelations. Of course, Steph Curry. Tim Anderson. Jordan Alvarez. And it's caught. Debo Samuel with the catch. Michael Jordan can sense the throw just got the king. BS3 Network. The hottest of hot takes. The coldest of cold hard facts. This is Snowman in the Morning with Gold Johnson. Weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern 
Check your local listings for your viewing and listening pleasure. What do you get when you watch or listen to the Life Happens podcast? Well, I'll let them tell you. Kim and I are both ministers of the gospel and Life Happens podcast is a beautiful balance by simply taking our spirituality with real life and merging it together to create a beautiful balance. And that's what we do. BS3 Network proudly presents Life Happens podcast, where Christianity and life intersect live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central. You want to watch these interviews commercial free? Well, now you can. Revelations is on Patreon. Become a patron today. Business coach, business consultant, former corporate America flag waver, and author Debbie Cruz joins me on Revelations. She has opened the way. She's walked across the bridge. She just gave us her reason for who she is and what she does and why she is the way she is. And now it is time to bring it all to light. Now, all of us shine in a unique way, and Debbie is of no exception. Now, if I were to mention the names Precious and Fragile Things, Live to Tell, and Soul Meets Body, what would these things mean to you, and what did you learn about yourself after completing those three bits I just mentioned? (laughs) Well, those are my three novels. Um... All of those titles are based off of songs, and I chose them because I thought so. <laughs> I found that when I went to go write a song, I, I just had a song on repeat or like a really short playlist, and they sort of the mood of those songs basically molded uh, the books. The first one, Precious and Fragile Things is after that song, the the song Precious by Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. And that first one was, you know, was really the the direction of just start writing. And I and I did, and I didn't really have a lot of rhyme or reason of what it was going to be about. Um, I just sort of let it drive me. And there was many times where I'm hitting the keyboard and I'm like, I don't even know that I'm really here. <laughs> like my fingers are going, but I'm not really sure that I'm the one uh, doing, doing the work. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that came out of that book. Um, it was way emotional for me, but people would read it and be like, Oh my God, how did you match this and this and and get all that tied together? I'm like, 
oh, it is. It's all tied together. <laughs> it worked mm-hmm. out. Like, great. So, <laughs> it was realizing, I, I realized that it was me telling of how I came from my previous life into this life without even really understanding it myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know that it was going to be so directly reflected, but it was a way for me to express all the things that had happened to me growing up that couldn't, I couldn't express because nobody could relate to what I was going through or understand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it is about a journey of life. It's about your mm-hmm. connections. It's about learning who you are, knowing that, you, you know, you have to live in trust and you may not know what your next move is, but know that you're taken care of. And the book, I, I decided to do a sequel, sequel right after that, because I was just so emotionally attached. There's too many unanswered questions. So I wanted to make sure those all got answered. And that book, I feel like really focused on forgiveness. I mean, it is still about following your heart, but about forgiveness. And, you know, every choice you make does reflect on the people around you. So if you make a poor choice, a lot of people have to pay that consequence. And if you make a positive choice, people live in that consequence. So there's a good and there's a bad. And what if you chose good? Like, what if you chose what was in your heart? What what if you chose what was the divine right thing instead of what you think would look good or you're worried about being judged? And watch how you change the whole dynamic of all these people that are in your circles of saying, okay, I forgive you and I'm ready to move on and how everybody's life changes for the better. But those poor choices you made, how look at how it diminishes everybody. Mm. My third book, Soul Meets Body, I, um, it's totally it's not related. It is a book about following your heart. Mm-hmm. It was uh, based off of you know, uh, a lot that I was going through emotionally and trying to figure out my journey and what, you know, um, what I was really supposed to do, because again, I wasn't listening to you're supposed to be writing. <laughs> I just, you know, it was there and then it wasn't there. And <laughs> it will always find you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was, I was, um, realizing that there was a lot of situations and um, one relationship in particular where it was like, you you really put quite a twist to it. You know, that's not how I see it. Um, And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe I'm not looking at at everything from the right lens. Maybe I'm not looking at it correctly. I did have a lot of victim mentality in my, in my mental state at that time where you know, I was like, the world is against me, everything's against me. And and it was a lot of the spirituality fighting with me because I wasn't living my true self. And mm-hmm. I wasn't listening to that. So all those walls I felt was like, it was like I was doing something wrong, or I just deserved it. And, and again, all the judgments and the negative, it just keeps lowering you down. Um, so I was like, well, I, maybe I need to look at it from a different lens, look at it from somebody else. And I just sort of let a story take itself on a journey. And, you know, what, what would, what would this character's heart lead them to? What would this character's heart take them to? And just show that by following your heart and really listening to your intuition 
how you always come ahead, no matter how impossible and crazy it looks, you always come up ahead and you never are led to bad directions once you always look at the positive that your heart is, is directing you. So um, I am excited about about them. Um, you know, some of them, you know, there's a level of vulnerability that you put in there that's like, oh, I, I wrote that. huh? <laughs> but I think it's it's me. It, it is important. I, I'm fine with the vulnerability because I feel like I wear it. On, I was wearing it on my sleeve for so long. Um, and now it's gone. So it really helped people relate to their own situations and to when they're going through a change in their life of not understanding who their true purpose is. And I really want this next novel that I'm writing to reflect that in a deeper way, in a more direct way um, that can help people. I, I saw this interesting uh, term that you, uh, this moniker that you gave yourself, the dream pollinator. <laughs> so what does that mean? Well, in digging into who I truly am and, and really be getting to know myself on this journey, I found that my name, Deborah in Hebrew, is known as the bee seeker. And somehow I had some weird interactions with you know, bees where everybody is like terrified of bees. And I'd be like, no, come, come in. They'd come and just sit on my arm or, you know, anything. And I wouldn't be afraid. And I never got stung, thankfully. Mm. Um, and I never really, you know, I didn't know my origin of my name, but a, a few people who are into shamanism and that kind, kind of um, spirituality had said to me, I, I believe that, you know, that is your spirit animal. And one guy looked it up and he's like, do you know that that's what your name means? And I'm like, no. Mm. <laughs> so <clears throat> I kind of took a play on it of like, hey, that's like my team mascot, right? So what would the bee do? And so the bees are an amazing creature. I mean, it's it's impossible for them to fly. They only want success for everything and everybody around them. And they work really hard. They do impossible things. They, they don't stop. They, they work as a strong team. They respect their mother bee and what she wants for them and, and what direction she gives them. They'll do anything to defend her and they make everything beautiful. So I realized, you know, I, what I found that I was really good at at all my jobs was looking at people and really seeing deep inside of them of, you're in the wrong job. You're in the wrong place. And I get it. Like we're all here for a paycheck and some people mm. just got like, I need a check and I don't care. And, and then you're in a job that you don't love. You're not doing well at it. The job's not giving you the materials and tools to be successful. And then all of a sudden you get to a place where you could potentially lose your job. And I'm like, this is horrible. I don't, I don't love this. And I, I learned how to use that skill set of, hey, you're in the wrong job. Like, this isn't for you. I just feel like I want, I could see inside of you and I know that you're given a dream for a reason. And I just want to, you know, spark, you know, throw some pollination out there and help you make beautiful flowers and help the world around you be beautiful and help 
you be a beautiful person so that the people around you become beautiful. And I just want to pollinate that. So I, I felt like dream pollinator just sound like, sounded like a little, like a fun term that people smile when they say it. They're like, that sounds great. Like, what is that? Uh, it's a great conversation starter. But, you know, I, I believe that you're here for a reason. You're here to smile. You're not here to cry and be upset and be somewhere you don't want to be. You're here to flourish and grow and be the best that you can. And I just want to help people get there. Mm. And look at all the lessons you learned by being a mentor at both of your, both of your alma maters. Uh, <laughs> and what you've learned about yourself as a child and what you've learned about yourself as an author. And it just combines itself beautifully into what you do when you service these businesses as a consultant, as a coach. And it's great that you actually have the experience of being in corporate America and you'd say, okay, I get it. The right race can suck. And I, and it probably does suck for you now, but look at it this way. Here's, here's probably a tool here that could probably help switch that. And if you all the way want to get out, okay. I think I have a tool that can help you ease into your transition away from here. That is awesome. Wow. That is awesome. So I've, I've talked about your businesses. I've talked about your, a little bit about your consulting, talked about your uh, academic career along with being in corporate America, talked about even your author life. But your faith, how much of a role does faith play in your life? Uh, I mean, I... I can't function in my life if I don't have it. I mean, it plays my whole day. If, you know, I don't have faith, then um, I wouldn't be here. I definitely wouldn't be here. It's what keeps me alive for sure. It's my, my energy, my, uh, my juice, what do you call it? <laughs> Your recharge button, um, Bad day, good day, you know, give praise all day. I, I mean, I, I don't know how to live my life any other way. Business consultant, business coach, author, and all-around good person, Debbie Cruz joins me on Revelations. And now it is time in the program that we have her do a little plug tune-in. Now, this is, of course, in reference to hip-hop group De La Soul. And this is when the guest gets a chance to plug whatever is on, in this case, her heart, mind, soul, spirit, whether it's a book, whether it's a service, whether it is you want to plug something else, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to plug to have the people understand where to find you and what to get from you, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you so much. I would love to just tell all your listeners that you are divinely made on purpose and that you have dreams on your heart for a reason and don't let them sit on the shelf. Uh, I know it sounds sometimes a little impossible and difficult to feel your situation and think I can't do it because I can't, because there's never a right time to make that choice, but whatever time you make will always be the right time. 
And if you need help, I'd love to help you get there. I would love to offer to all your listeners a free 15-minute consultation. I would also love to offer to everybody a free download of Soul Meets Body, my last novel that was out. And you can find me on my website, which is D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z. And my web, my web, that's my website, D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z.com. Social media is the same, D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube as well. Wow. Well, there you have it. Uh, and uh, we will have all the things that you can, all the places you can find her in the show notes as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, one more time for author, business coach, business consultant, Debbie Cruz. Thank you so much for joining me on Revelations. Oh, thank you, Cole. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate it. mission is to plant something positive in others so that they themselves can grow into an entity which gives forth life as well. Giving hope to those stuck in a career is Debbie Cruz. Continuously pouring into people can be exhausting. However, those who willingly do so, receiving energy in return, even compliments would pale in comparison. The Bible says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Being a mentor to many, being a coach, and being someone who wants to see others succeed, all of that is from a giving heart. The most beautiful part about this giving, though, is not the receiving, but the paying it forward. May Debbie be replenished as her protégés give life to others' dreams as she has done for them. Many thanks to Debbie Cruz for giving us her perspective on life. And why don't you join us every single Tuesday on YouTube, where you will get a different perspective from a different person being interviewed by me each week. For changing the world, one conversation at a time. I'm Cole Johnson, and this has been Revelations. for tuning into Revelations. To download this episode, go to Acast and type Revelations. For apparel, go to Spring and type Revelations. Music by Lakey Inspired. <laughs> <laughs>